Ah, yeah. It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Jean-Pierre L.E., Izzy Alcafas, and Akash Patel. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the DTC Podcast. We got some phenomenal stuff to cover this week. By the way, I'm your host, John Paul Hurley. Joining me, Izzy Alcafas, the Pharaoh Fantasy. We got some cool stuff to talk about, actually. I think uh, last week was like the injury D-Day podcast, I feel like. And this week, people are starting to settle into their roles and their leagues, and they can start deciding if they want to contend, pull the plug. So we're going to talk about trade targets for contenders. And I think it's a good time, like it's the quarter of the way through the season. It's like one of those cases every single year where you blink your eyes and we're already like five weeks in. Well, it's time to look at the quarter of the season notable rookie performances. We're going to cover running backs and quarterbacks. I should say quarterback, right? Yep. That cannot be plural. Rookie quarterback and rookie running backs, like a quarter of the season recap, should be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, let's start off with the trade targets for contenders, right? Let's do that one first. You want to do that one first? Let's do that one first. Uh, and I'm just looking at just uh, kind of like as a, you know, kind of the rhetoric rule of thumb that I always like to throw out every single year when I'm a contender, I'm making trades. Uh, you kind of flip to redraft mode a little bit. You, t- you check out strength of schedule. Um, I like to use Fantasy Pros. They've got a pretty good tool to, you know, easily filter and sort that kind of thing. Um, so let's do like, you want to do quarterback first? That kind of makes the most sense, right? Trade target quarterbacks for contenders. Yeah, the problem is they're all so expensive. But let's talk about it. Let's see what we can come up with here. I'm just going to rattle off a few of them, and I'm going to see which ones you would actually trade for, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say you're led by, I mean, you're a contender, so you're probably led by, like, you know, a stud, a Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Like, that's your QB1. You've probably got, like, somebody in the, I don't know, maybe, like, the Tom Brady... Like, who would be your Q- QB2? Like, a Derek Carr, probably? Like, let's say your QB2 is Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, kind of like. Here's a couple guys, if you want some depth at the position, and it's a super flex, obviously. Some guys that have an easy strength of schedule and would be relatively cheap. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. I know you love Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, He's got the fourth easiest strength of schedule to wrap up the season. I don't know when Trey Lance is coming back specifically, but wondering if you would make him a trade target. Next year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's relatively inexpensive, right? So I think that's reasonable. Probably only have to give up a late second, even a mid-second yeah. to acquire him. So, yeah, I could see Jimmy G being just like kind of a depth piece. I don't hate that. Yeah, he's a four-star strength of schedule rest of season. And there's two other four-star strength of schedule rest of season quarterback candidates that would be relatively cheap. Hmm. Geno Smith and Carson Wentz. I actually like both of those as trade targets. You can probably acquire them for relatively cheap. I feel like Geno is probably on the rise. People still don't believe in Carson Wentz, but... Geno, is anybody giving up anything near a first for Geno Smith, though? You know what I mean? No. So it's another one where he's in the same Jimmy Garoppolo pocket. Probably a mid-second. Yeah, and you might find a a team that's not contending that has Geno that picked him up off waivers or something and just like, hey, I'll flip him for a late second or something like that just to get some profit. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, Do you think the Russell Wilson stuff is permanent? (sighs) Man, you know, I don't think so. Um, It's easy to say yes because it's like recency bias. 
But I really don't think so. I think he's got a pretty good track record, and I think he'll he could turn it around pretty easily. Are you willing to pay to find out? Uh, at a discount, yeah. How big of a discount do you need? He's lost so much. I'd probably oh, I know. say like uh he probably was he worth multiple firsts in a super flex league? I don't think so. Maybe like a Yeah, uh, he was probably worth an early first. Yeah. At the beginning of the season. And he's probably now I don't think you can get him for a second. I think that would be a bit excessive. Yeah. But I think a very late first would have to get it done. Or yeah, I a wouldn't second mind that. plus a player. And honestly, the funny thing is that aligns with, you know, the, the like if you're a contender, you probably think that your first is late. So you have that to trade and you're looking at stacking up the quarterback position. I don't mind that. I like that. Yeah. But would you rather pay a second for Geno Smith or Jimmy Garoppolo or a late first for Russell Wilson? Uh, a second for Geno, Jimmy, Carson. So getting moving up basically. And here's the thing. We, I think we both agree, and we've talked about this. There definitely is there's an inefficiency in the trade market for picks because the value of a late first is significantly higher than the value of an early second. Well, that's because you got the fifth-year option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. No, but seriously, let's say Russell Wilson is worth the 111. And let's say Geno Smith is worth the 206. Is it really worth the seven spots to have the guaranteed Geno Smith for just one year or the remaining 13 games or 12 games? Actually, what? 11 games. Or would you rather have Russell Wilson and pay up the seven spots, six, seven spots, and then have him for multiple years? That's a good point. And like, you are guaranteeing Geno Smith right now, and there's no real guarantee on it. Like the, he's imagine if he puts you know strings together two or three really crap games, he's he's probably on a little bit shorter of a leash than most like franchise quarterbacks. So I mean, I can't even say it's guaranteed, but that's a that's a good thought process. Yeah. Um, if you're a contender now, depending on who you're, you you talked about Carr or you know, um. Who's the other one? You said Carr or... Cousins. Cousins. I don't hate the idea of moving off of those guys. It's kind of doing a twofer. Moving off of those guys, acquiring, paying up for Deshaun Watson, and then going after a Jimmy Garoppolo to backfill for the remaining seven games. Yeah. I guess the buy would be like six games. I don't think you're going to be able to unload... Car or Cousins onto a team that's looking to pack it in on the season, though. Well, not necessarily pack it in on the season. What if it's somebody trying to consolidate? They have three, four quarterbacks. Well, let's say they have a quarterback. Let's say they're doing okay. Let's say they're middle of the pack. Their team's a lot better than they thought. They have a QB1 and they have Deshaun Watson. Let's say they have um, uh, a Jalen Hurts or a Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson or a Joe Burrow and Deshaun, whatever the case may be. And their quarterback right now is, let's say their QB3 is, frick, I don't know, Matt Ryan. You could maybe try to make that happen. Yeah. I'm just giving you an example of some finding a way to, to acquire Deshaun Watson and a team that's doing solid. Yeah. But unspectacular. I yeah, I don't mind that trade idea. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, you bring up good points. It would have to be a very, very perfect scenario yeah. for that to happen. 
are you in any way, shape, or form interested in going after Justin Fields? Uh, I mean, man, his his value has, you know, tanked. So it's it's probably a smart choice, but I haven't been very comfortable with what I've seen. They are invested in him, though, so I mean, it's not a bad... It would be a good idea for somebody who doesn't need the points this year, right? Yeah, it's a gamble, right? It's a gamble worth making at some point. I mean, his schedule does ease off a little bit, right? He had a pretty start, a tough start to the season. I'll I'll say not for a contender. I mean, unless you're looking to stock up. Yeah, I was just kind of ask. I was just kind of asking you that because I was just thinking about quarterbacks that have fallen so much, and he fits into that. Yeah, that vibe. I'd be willing to field offers for him. You know what I'm nice. saying? Nice. Thank I like you. that. Thanks. Uh, is Tannehill one of them? Is Tannehill a guy you target? Doesn't have the easiest schedule. Has a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, not an easy schedule. He he wouldn't be, according to my little paradigm that I've got going here, he wouldn't be okay. somebody I'd be You'd going fade on after. That. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, what's your next What's your next point? Uh, going into the running backs, uh, same format. I'm going to list off a few relatively inexpensive running backs with good strength of schedule for the rest of the season. And I want to see if, the, if you'd make him a trade target of yours or not. Okay. This one's interesting because Travis Etienne was pretty efficient with the touches that he had last week. James Robinson, um, still disrespected, relatively cheap. Would you be targeting him on your contending teams? How relatively cheap? How, what are we talking? I have to give up a second for him? Yeah, I would say somebody looking to cash out. and like Somebody is still concerned about the following year and James Robinson's job security. Um. This is hard because he's not getting a ton of targets. I mean, he's he's had nine targets on a season through yeah. five games, so that's not good enough. And he's playing roughly 45, 50% of the snaps. Three out of the five games, he's had under 50% of the snaps. So his his points are purely predicated on the fact that he needs to get in the end zone. Yeah, or be incredibly productive on the ground. Yeah, like he the three games he scored, he, he had he scored twenty points, seventeen points, twenty one points, roughly. Actually, let me get to a league format where it's not wonky. I'll tell you exactly what he's put up. So, in a non wonky league, he scored yeah twenty, fifteen point eight, and twenty point six, and then he got eighteen carries and only two targets in the following two games combined. And he scored 7.8 points combined. Oh. And then you do have a pretty soft schedule, like you had mentioned. The problem is, because ATN has been so bad, I think it makes James Robinson's role look significantly better than it is. Yeah. I'd love to see them get the ball to their to, to James Robinson more. If he if he had a few more targets in the pass game, and I, I'd be comfortable with them having the split. Look at it this way. Like with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like Nick Chubb gets enough carries on the ground on a consistent basis to where he scores consistent points. He doesn't need the receptions and the targets. Same with like Derrick Henry. But when you get to a situation where Etienne is clearly the receiving back in that backfield, and he's not getting enough touches on the ground to justify his consistency, right, or expected consistency, then I kind of fade that idea. And because he's young enough, people are, I I feel like you say that he's undervalued. I think is, what's his value right now? 
Well, just like you said, I think it, it would be likely you could get a get James Robinson in return for like a, a some sort of second. He's in between. A, he's probably like an early second. Yeah, and I think you might be able to like get like for all the reasons you just said. I think an owner might be willing to ship him for a little bit less than that. So like a mid second or something like that. He's literally the only you know obviously outside of Travis Etienne, he's the only running back that has a five out of five star easy strength of schedule for the rest of the season. So it's like it kind of makes some sense. Honestly, I'd rather go after Etienne. Is that crazy? Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy, but you're definitely going to have to move a first plus for your contender. I disagree. You got late first. I disagree. I don't think ETN at this point is going for a first plus. Oh, yeah, he is. No, he's not. I don't think there's anybody that's going to sell him for a second. It might be one of those stalemate trade options. I, I don't know how in Dynasty, and we'll do this, we'll kind of touch base on this later. I'll put up a poll right now as we're talking. Um, I don't think the gap between them in Dynasty is all that big. So just looking at the calculator, Travis Etienne's valued at 16.1 in 12-team PPR leagues. That's a... Yeah, and James Robinson's a 15. And of course, we're still waiting yeah, to I update. Guess... We're still waiting to update tomorrow, which will bring down James Rob Or tonight, will an update will go through. So James Robinson's value will go down. And ETN might come ETN's up a little bit. We'll go up maybe a little bit, but I didn't. I, you you're, you might be right though. I did. I didn't really factor in the lofty value of twenty three firsts. You know, like a late first in the calculator is worth a twenty. So technically, you know, it it is one of those players or trades that's like really right in the middle of a, a late first, early second. Like I don't think it's gonna. It's just not gonna happen. It's not a trade that will happen because nobody will give ETN for a second, and nobody will give a first yeah this i mean yeah yeah this is definitely with etn it's a second plus right yeah second plus player gets you etn so it would have to be something like a second plus rashad white yeah and i don't like that as as an etn owner i wouldn't do it yeah but i think that's something that could maybe get it done yeah maybe i i, I like the idea of going after etn i'd rather chase the potential at this point it's a bigger gamble i think james robinson has a better chance of sustaining value over the next few years than etn does but the ceiling is higher with etn so i yeah. at this point i'd rather just tr- trade for the potential if i'm going to pay that price i want to try to go after james robinson yeah james robinson's value unless he goes absolutely gangbusters and starts getting receiving work probably doesn't have a whole lot of room to grow. But ETN, even if he doesn't get the majority of the work on the ground and he just ends up being a guy that gets four or five targets in the past game and gets some rushes, his value can be buoyed by that. And he has a lot more room to grow. Yeah. So I like the ETN aspect of it. And they have the same, obviously, the same schedule. So if you're a contender, this and it works as a backdrop. So if it fails, you still have some value insulation with a young, well-known player that everybody likes. And let's say it does work out. Let's say ETN has a solid game or a solid rest of the season. And then you fall short of your aspirations of winning a title. He, he still helps you next year. Yeah, I agree with that. So I like going after ETN no matter what at this point based on the valuation. And I like him as a hold, so I agree with you. He's a hold or a buy. 
Um, now, kind of going back down the list here for the rest of the running backs, then we'll switch over to wide receivers. The only other two that have at least a four-star strength of schedule for, you know, ease um, that are relatively cheap would be David Montgomery and Miles Sanders. I don't know how great I feel about either of those, but they kind of, like, fit the bill. What do you think? Mm. God. I'd rather go after Herbert. I'd rather go after Herbert with the hopes. Well, Justin Herbert's going to be a lot more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I'd ra- oh, sorry. I'd rather go after Khalil, mainly because he's going to be a third of the price, and Monty can get hurt again. And I'd I'd much rather have the idea of that as a back as a backup than paying for what Monty's going to cost right now in hopes that he maintains his workload and maintains his health. So I look at guys like Madison. I look at guys like. Uh, Herbert, where if they step into those roles, they're going to be the guy. Where yeah. it's not like a McKissick or a, a Dontrell Hilliard, where they're not going to be the guy. But those two guys that I mentioned previously will be. Rashad White's another one. He will be the guy. So I look at guys like that. Those are the ones I want to target. Tony Pollard probably can't. I mean, he had a really good game. But Tony Pollard's another one. Like if, if Zeke gets hurt or if Tony Pollard is going to blow up. Yeah, no So I want to go after those types of players. I want the backups. If I'm contending, there's so many weeks for things to happen. I want to go after those guys. Melvin Gordon's another one. We talked about this last. I I don't mind going after Melvin Gordon. He's probably going to get 60 to 7% of the workload in that offense. And if that offense eventually figures it out, you have a RB2 there. Yeah. They can give you pop-off games. And I've kind of I've I've started to shift my my thought process a little bit in dynasty. I'm going to start treating unless you are a bona fide top three, top four running back. I, I'm pr- like let's look at the guys like the Josh Jacobses of the world, the Clydes of the world, even the guy like J.K. Dobbins. So guys in that pocket of value or pocket of players, I'd much rather have the one one year wonder type of players where I think there may be only one or two years left before they're worthless or they don't have or they're no longer good anymore and start shifting all of my value aspirations or at least the the value equity that I want to put into my team into the other positions and just kind of do a a recycling of running backs on a year to year basis and have no equity put into running backs whatsoever and it's not like a it's kind of like a zero running back for dynasty but you're just all you're doing is just recycling just one hitter like Cordell like Patterson last year he kind of is helping you this year you look at Jamal Williams he's a guy that you just always just have on your roster if you can use him you use him in spot starts and you have four or five players like that that can help you I think that's a win. And then you can even go after the guys that have lost a lot of value due to age and start targeting them. Kind of like what we talk about with receivers where you say, hey, once a receiver hits 30, like a DeAndre Hopkins, go after DeAndre Hopkins because his value is so low. And he's going to give you some wide receiver one seasons, maybe a couple wide receiver one seasons before you, you know, take him out back. Same thing with running backs, like going after a Derrick Henry with his value so low, he makes more sense to me because he can give you RB1 I talked about this with the Kosh too, uh, three, four weeks ago. You go after Henry because he can still give you 
top five weekly performances out of Derrick Henry. Now he's giving you basically three in a row. So you can still get that. And you might be able to squeeze out another season out of Derrick Henry. And it's not like when you have like the Jacobses and the Clydes, they can give you those weeks. But I don't think over the course of a full season, guys like Clyde, Dobbins, Jacobs, Gibson, they don't have enough workload and talent to give you that consistent performance to where they are RB1s, high RB1s at the end of the season. So I'd rather just take Derrick Henry and at this point, let him go until he, until he dies and then find my next player. And Derrick Henry's values come down enough to where he's no longer worth equity that isn't justified. Yeah, he's reached that age where people just aren't comfortable with paying up. Correct. And Nick Chubb's going to be that guy probably in, in next year due to age. Aaron Jones is kind of that guy right now where he's, he's due to age and his teammate being split back. You could probably get Aaron Jones fairly che- relatively cheap and he's still going to give you some solid performances. You don't have to pay up. Yeah. And you don't have to chase these what ifs or these guys that right now they seem like they're the RB ones, but they're just not, they're not going to be RB ones for the long haul. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And I was going to say Melvin Gordon was an honorable mention if we didn't cover him. So I'm glad you covered off on that. He'd be relatively cheap, yeah. not a great strength of schedule. I think it was like three out of five, but still a really good, um, relatively cheap trade target for contenders switching over James to wide receivers. Connors? James Conner? Yeah, not not a great strength of the schedule, but yeah, bad, he'd, be bad, a, okay. he'd be a cheaper one. I think he's got, yep, he's a three-star strength of schedule. So what's your what's your line for that? You want three or four or higher, or what's the... Yeah, I mean, by the time you, like, a lot of these three-star, it depends on the position. Um, some just aren't very deep for strength of schedule, but running back is. James Conner would be in the 20s, like bottom 10, 12 strength of schedule. Yep. Okay. Um. So not great. I'd say like top, a top ten strength of schedule would be ideal. That's kind of what I'm looking at for this process. Okay. Receivers. Yeah. Moving on to wide receivers, there there really isn't a ton. So I'm going to list off some that kind of come close. Um, Cortland Sutton, and we talked about the Russell Wilson. Like, what's possible mm-hmm. with him? Um, Cortland Sutton sitting at a four out of five strength of schedule. Um, and there's like A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, like not very inexpensive relatively. Um, and then Kadarius Tony, don't like four out of five strength of schedule, but don't know how I feel about him as a trade target. Wanda Robinson is interesting though. Yeah, okay. Been injured. People tend to forget about the rookie ro- receivers that are injured. He's a gadget guy. They could manufacture touches for him. I actually don't mind Wanda Robinson at all for a buy, and he kind of doubles as a obviously a, a, for a rebuilder but if he he could pop off towards the end of the season yeah i might agree with that now here's a couple um that kind of fit the the paradigm a little bit mike williams keenan allen you'll start to notice the theme with these these are kind of like you know veteran wide receivers and high volume pass offenses mm-hmm. mike williams keenan allen both four out of five stars Tyler Lockett, I wouldn't call it a high pass volume, but like uh, efficient at least. And Tyler Lockett's coming in off a, a really nice week. Um, Devin Duvernay, if Rash- Rashad Bateman's just like, you know, has lingering injuries, it was nice to see him step in. Might be a decent trade target. And then Adam Thielen. So there's a bunch. I like Thielen. Yeah. He, and he's a great buy. Thielen, I don't think, will ever give you, at this point, consistent wide receiver one production just because Justin Jefferson's a target hog, but he can give you those solid 15, 16-point outbursts that'll get him into that wide receiver two range. 
um, low wide receiver one range if if it hits right. But yeah. I like that. Alan Lazard is another cheap one that for the rest of the season could probably help. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe. Let's round things out with tight ends and then we can move on to our next topic. Tight ends are pretty simple. I wouldn't say there's relative like Pat Fryermuth is a four out of five star, one of uh, many tight ends that have that that I would be interested in. Oh, real quick, Jacoby Myers, his strength of schedule is Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins. Uh, yeah, he's down down there, though. What do you mean he's down there? Down there in what? He's 18th. He's the 18th easiest remaining schedule for wide receivers. Yeah, but it's still a guy that if you look yeah. at the teams, I mean, he's going the 20th ranked pass defense against wide receivers, this 12th and then the 24th. Yeah. And he is the wide receiver one there. He's had double digit points in the three games that he's played. So what is he averaging? They're averaging 17.6 fantasy points per game. Yeah. I think, and and nobody nobody respects him at all. So you can get him for probably a late second and he can give you a wide receiver two numbers the rest of the season. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, yeah, and like I said, tight ends, just not a lot of content there. Yeah, with tight ends, it's tight ends is always tough. Like you got to look at it. Even like a guy like Ertz, like what happens to Ertz's volume when Hopkins comes back? Who knows? You know, I think I think Tunyon's a, the only tight end that I would consider going after is probably Tunyon. Yeah, interesting. Because he's still coming off that knee injury. He could get more and more targets as the season goes on. Higby's another one that you could justify. He's putting up some solid performances. Not going to be overly expensive. Nobody I've got really an interesting likes one. Him. Yeah, let's hear it. I'm Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah. I, the problem is, I don't, dude, you start him week to week, he, he could give you, I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, we're not talking week to week, yeah. We're not talking week to week either. Like, if you're a contender, I hope to God you have a better tight end in your lineup than Taysom Hill. This would be like a depth play. But what's a better tight end? You, I mean, you have Andrews, Kelsey, Ertz, Goddard, and that's it. Like, nobody else is giving you consistent, uh, I guess Higby's giving you consistent performance. So those five guys. Nobody else is giving you consistent performance on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, but they haven't this season. But like you can expect like Kittle to come back, you know, to some degree. Hawkinson's had flashes of good game. I still think there's, you know, a contender probably has one of those top, you know, seven to ten like tight ends. To be honest with you, Taysom and and Hawkinson have had the same exact season. Yeah, so far. But it's like you had the one monster game. You've had one decent game. And then you have two shitters. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking like a, a contender that might be rolling with like a Kyle Pitts or something that's been less than desirable the season so far. Looking for a cheap tight end to throw on there. Taysom Hill's a great target. Yeah. What about Evan Ingram? Uh, Yeah. Up and down, right? Like, yeah. Kind I mean, of like going with Trevor Lawrence's performance. Yeah. And uh, what happened to Dawson Knox? Yeah, he really climbed in the offseason. He hasn't done done much. No. But, I don't know, the tight end landscape's tough. I would say that Higby, you can make a case for Hill, but if you need an actual start a tight end every week, I would say Tunyon and Higby obviously is the safest, still not going to cost you a lot. And if you want to go super cheap, I think Tunyon's, Tunyon's the, uh, the super cheap play that I think during the later parts of the season could help. 
Gotcha. All right, so here's the next segment of the podcast. We're going to talk about notable rookie running backs and quarterback. And how we're going to do this, I'm just going to list off a name. And I want you to tell me what you're doing with this player, okay? Maybe just give me like a quick analysis, but um, just kind of like a little bit more of a rapid fire type of uh, format here. Hmm. Um, I'm going to try to save some of the best ones for last. So let's start with James Cook. And uh, by the way, just to preface it, these are rookies that probably had uh, significant value changes since the beginning of the season. So James Cook has gone not the direction James Cook owners have wanted him to go. What, what are you doing with James Cook? Uh, so here I've, I have zero shares of James Cook. I've never wanted to ever have a share of James Cook. He's playing like 10 to 15% of the snaps on average for the Bills. There's rumors that they're trying to trade for CMC. It's very unlikely that I'd ever acquire James Cook at this point, unless I can get him for a third. If I can get James Cook for a third, I would, I would do it, but I'm not, if there's a second in there anywhere, I'm passing. I mean, that's kind of funny. That's what Buffalo does too. Buffalo's passing. Yeah, they're, they like to pass. And he's supposed to be in there for his receiving chops, and he's not in there. There you go. Okay, next one. Very compelling. Kenneth Walker, the third. I'm not talking about the other two. Yeah. So I think now that Penny is hurt, Kenneth Walker's buy window was was last week. And it was Penny went off. Kenneth Walker actually played the most snaps he's he's played on the season had a well second last last week obviously this week got changed because Penny got hurt but la, up to up until last week it was his most I guess highest volume game so he was kind of being worked back into the offense it happened to be Penny's biggest game and then Penny gets hurt so at this point now with Kenneth Walker's value likely to spike after this week. I think it's a I think it's a hold if you have him, maybe borderline sell, um, but definitely not a buy. There you go. Um, let's see. I'm gonna save the best running back for the last last one here. Um, man, actually, these two, both of these two, have a really interesting stories. Damian Pierce. Yeah. Shit. Wow. So, I I I the exact opposite of James Cook. So James Cook, Rashad White. Isaiah Spiller, Damian Pierce were all in that same window of opportunity for for draft. James Cook was a little bit higher. And I don't have any Spiller. I don't have any Cook. I don't have any White. And I have a ton of Pierce. And I think now is the time, and I already offloaded one share of Pierce. I think now is the time, if you do have a, a large ownership of Damian Pierce, I don't hate the idea of liquidating some of those. And it kind of goes to the same point I was making. Let's say you're a contender and you have Damian Pierce. Why not trade Damian Pierce for Derrick Henry plus? Yeah, I mean, you could probably, somebody that's kind of like looking to retool, that might be a compelling trade for them. Like if they're riddled with injuries on their route, yeah. Right, not even that. Like, even if you're a contender, Damian Pierce is giving you contender numbers. Yep, that's true. He's young. And we could, they both could be starting running backs for the same amount of time. Damian Pierce, draft capital. I, you just, Damian Pierce could also be one of the running backs that has the bad pedigree, but is a starting running back for four or five years. That definitely could happen. He could be James the Conner. RB1. 
Or yeah, I mean, he, he could, could be, be um, not James Conner. I meant I meant to say um, James Robinson. James Robinson. Thank you. Yeah, pre, but even James. Yeah, but that's another point. James Robinson. They drafted ETN when James Robinson was balling. Yeah, I'm just saying it kind of feels like that again, right? Yeah, is it could be, but at the same time, it could be what we saw with Aaron Jones. And yeah, even maybe. though he isn't the the R, he's never been like a true RB, like the only running back there. They've always given him split duties with Jamal Williams and now AJ yeah. Dillon, but he's given you that top end production. Austin Eckler, another good example, worked yeah. his way into being, you know, a not maybe not a true bell cow, but as close as you get for that draft pedigree. Um, so I think you could see that happening. Look, Arian Foster did it a handful <laughs> a decade ago. Uh, you never skip Alfred an opportunity Morris, to mention Aaron Alfred Foster. Mor- Aaron, dude, the smoothest running back you'll ever see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even Alfred Morris for a, a few years. Alfred, 12 career catch Morris. Yeah. So I look at this and say, kind of going on with historical odds, yes, Damian Pierce could be that guy, but I don't mind now unloading. Unloading and going after... I don't know if I would do this. I, I already did this flipping Damien for Javonta Williams, right? I did that. That's one of my shares that I unloaded. Najee Harris, I don't actually want to acquire Najee Harris, but... Wait a minute. Did you do that before or after injury? After the injury. Okay. So you did that as a... You're packing it in kind of... Not packing it in. I had Melvin... It's funny. I had Melvin Gordon. Interesting. I am a... I have a team that can contend. I have Deshaun Watson coming back week 12. I have a team that can contend. I had Damian Pierce and well, Melvin Gordon on my roster. Back. No, n- I'm not really deep at running back. But what happened was, since Javante got hurt, now I have Melvin Gordon with the majority workload in the offense where I wasn't starting him before. Now I am starting him. Yeah, you're not so now that much. I'm starting him, I gained an, uh, a running back through no acquisition. I gained a running back through injury. So essentially what I did is I traded Damian Pierce for Melvin David Damian Pierce for Melvin Gordon the rest of the season and then Damian Pierce for John to Williams the rest of their careers wow. or until next season until I flipped yeah, John I like Williams. That. So it's kind of how I looked at it. I'm not necessarily packing it in and I'm not losing Damian Pierce and getting nothing back. I got Melvin Gordon for nothing essentially. So now he slides into a starting role and that's kind of how I viewed it. It's just a different way to look at it. I also yeah. now, with the Kenneth Walker stuff, I have Kenneth Walker. So that turned into a win because now I have Kenneth Walker. So I still have Kenneth Walker, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, and then, I, you know, the Khalil Herberts of the world where they yeah. could, somebody You're gets You're not hurt. really losing much with Damian Pierce's. Yeah, yeah. I, I could be. I mean, I, Damian Pierce is still balling. And I, but the, here's the thing with this. When I have a lot of shares of a player, I'm totally fine with it because it's win-win like i'm offloading a player i'm getting some value insulation and then i have damian pierce balling in all my other rosters so i've just learned over time with running backs especially it's best to diversify as much as possible and when these guys that have the low draft pedigree pop off and you can get that first round value just try to liquidate some of the shares yeah there you go um and just to kind of round out the segment and the podcast here the last two players the one's the running back and then the last one is going to be the single quarterback so i might actually flex over to the quarterback just to save the best one for last i don't know okay 
we'll round up the running back. We'll finish it off. Finish off the position. Brees Hall, and the reason that one's so compelling is because he. By the way, I gotta say this. I, I, uh, I I'm a consumer. I watch like little snippets of videos here and there. And one of the ones that I saw during the off season was uh, really interesting um, on the Fantasy Footballers podcast. And there was like a some sort of statistic that Jason mentioned about running backs who have fewer than 13 carries in week one, there's like a 98% chance that they won't finish the season um, in the top like 20 or something like that. It was some sort of crazy stat. And I, and I like to apply that to dynasty. And there are outliers like, you know, JK Dobbins would be like, he was kind of like, he's easing his way back in. So he's not going to have 13, 14 carries in the first week. But for me, guys like Brees Hall should be an exception too, because they're kind of like easing him into the offense. They're not really, they had an effective Michael Carter at running back. And this is kind of something that's taking place now. It's transpiring and Brees Hall is completely 180 to his value and his production. But like, what, what as an owner can you do with him now? You know, like, are you selling, selling high? I don't think you can. I don't think you do. I mean, sure. He's splitting carries with, with Michael Carter, but I love offenses that want to target the running backs, right? They get him involved. And Sure, he only he. It's funny because he only had two targets this last week. He turned him into 100 yards, but he's gotten 11. He's got an 11 target game and a nine target game and a six target game. Like there's enough there, and he's super young. He's in an up and coming offense. I think at this point, outside of the only players that I think you could make a case for above Brees Hall are Barkley and JT, and. I'd rather have I'd rather have Brees Hall than than Jonathan Taylor. Kind of like the Najee Harris discussion we had last year. And granted, like everything's changed with Najee, but Yeah, I, I just for me it's I look at the way J- JT's not getting any usage in the past game. Like I don't understand that. So I, I get Well, because like, he's injured. Well, yeah. That... Yeah, he had no <laughs> carries last week or no well, no targets. Yeah, and he's gotten some, you know, in his four games, he's had a couple games with five or more targets. But yeah. relative to a Brees Hall or a Barkley, I'm not getting that. And he's not being efficient on the ground. He's got, ma- I don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position moving forward. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks. So for me, I like the way that Brees' usage is right now. And I think you can still get Brees Plus for Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, should have done that after week one. Once you saw Brees Hall get nine targets in the past game, you, we probably should have, that should have been the process. Yeah, I agree. And it's hindsight, but that probably should have been the process. Yeah, but it's, it's, it would be pretty hard to pull a guy that most teams chose for their one-on-one, you know, like even if their value dipped a little bit. Uh, I agree with your the process, but it would be really hard to have pulled that trade. Yeah, but we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the pod. It's like that should be whenever you have the run RB1, consensus RB1, even RB2, the idea should always be to move off of them. I, I think it might have been last week you and I talking about it. And we went through and saw how many times the RB1s changed year to year, and only yep. a few have been sticky on a year-to-year basis. Yep. So it just makes sense to do at this point. Yeah. So I like I like the idea of buying Brees Hall at, at the right cost. 
just as if you can get him under a Saquon Barkley or under a JTN value, I still think that that's reasonable. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up the farm for him. I agree with that. All right, the last player of the segment and of the podcast, and this one's interesting to me because before the podcast began, you and I were kind of talking about some of the topics and some of the players that we're going to discuss. And this is a guy that I I wouldn't have had as like any sort of target, but you kind of like said something that intrigued me a little bit. It's Kenny Pickett, and you what you said to me, you, you said I'm I'm thinking about like I might be buying Kenny Pickett, and like what I saw was different in the games. I wasn't too fired up about what I saw, but like what. What are you doing about Kenny Pickett? Like, why are you buying him? They threw the ball 52 times. Yeah, so you're a vo- it's a volume play? Well, it's not just a volume play. They clearly have faith in the fact Kenny Pickett went up against Buff- the Buffalo Bills, who are the number one defense. You could make an argument that there's a couple teams that are pretty close, but our number one pass defense in the league. Conditions were a little windy. They were down big. They knew they had to pass. Like they knew Kenny Pickett had to pass, and he was still relatively efficient. He made some great throws. He threw for over three hundred yards, and he protected the ball for the most part. Yes, he had a pick, but and he he had one decent scramble. He got out of the pocket six times in the game before. So you do have some. Well, I guess not out of the pocket six. He rushed six times before, and a few of those were like sneaks and stuff. But. He's got enough mobility to get out of the pocket. He kept plays alive. He made some big throws against a tough team and not so favorable conditions in, in a game script that favored him, but was obvious, obvious game script. He's got Claypool. I'm not going to lead with Claypool because he sucks. I'm going to lead with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Friar Muth, Najee Harris, Claypool. He's got the weapons. He doesn't have the offensive line. But and that's another thing. He did all of this with a garbage offensive line. I, I just view this as you literally couldn't have put him in a in a worse situation this week as his first start. And if you would have told me he's gonna play the Buffalo Bills in windy conditions with that offensive line, and he would go 34 of 52 for 327 yards and interception, I would say that's a fantastic game. All things considered, so I'm buying. Yeah, I I mean I think uh, the the game script or whatever the game script probably was in his favor for that. But I I agree with you as far as the matchups concerned. Oh no, it's in his favor, but it's also an obvious game script for the defense. So it's not like there's any surprises every time he drops back. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So I like it. I like what I, I'm at this point with a guy like Kenny Pickett. You gotta take a chance, kind of like with Herbert. You saw how long, and I'm not saying Kenny Pickett's gonna be Herbert, but I'm saying it took people Khalil a Herbert? long time. Justin Herbert this time. I mean, that's kind of oh yeah. It took people a long time with Justin Herbert to buy in. You were one of them. A lot of people are like that. He doesn't have, and it's funny because what did I say at the beginning of the season when you draft a guy like Kenny Pickett? How many guys have we let fall to the later end of the first round, mid to first, mid to, to late first round quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, and we faded them because the general consensus is that they aren't good enough, and they've become ballers in the NFL. Yep, a lot of them. And it's like you might as well at this point. You don't have to pay crazy prices. 
But I look at a quarterback landscape where outside of Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Lamar, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, those five guys right now, I don't feel the hot fuzzies with anybody else. I don't feel it with Burrow. I like Burrow, but he's not like he's not in that group. I still am gonna get some clunkers with Joe Burrow on a week to week basis. Yeah. With Kyler, I don't want I don't want Kyler. I don't like Kyler. I don't like Kyler. So I don't want even though he's the QB four, I don't want Kyler. I just I'm 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 out on that. I want to get out from under that. And then you have a massive tear break. I love Deshaun Watson. I'm good with that. But we need to find the next quarterback that's going to backfill this massive gap. And I think the most reasonable at this point is Kenny Pickett. Like, he gives you the best chance of that. You know, Trevor Lawrence has a chance to do that. Tua technically has a chance to do that in offense. But for me, Kenny Pickett is the cheapest guy with the highest ceiling. Yeah, you're right. So I don't mind doing it. I don't mind taking the shot on it. And and honestly, I don't know where his value will end up being after this week, but I would trade any single quarterback, not named Trevor Lawrence, from last year's class for Kenny Pickett. And if you can get a plus, I would do that. Kenny Pickett plus. And it's like it's a great organization. Like it's it's the Steelers organization. He's got some weapons. Yeah. They're proven. He's got some weapons. He has nothing right now behind him that's a little worrisome. He's going to get multiple years to be the guy. He's going to have that value insulation if he puts together a few good games. Yeah, and he's becoming Khalil Herbert. So, I mean... And he's becoming Khalil Herbert. Yeah, so I I would not be surprised if in the offseason, Kenny Pickett is being drafted as a top 8-10 to quarterback in Dynasty. I like it. I can kick it with Kenny Pickett. You can kick it with Pickett. I like it. That's very good. Well, that's pretty good, you guys. I think that's going to be the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you smash that subscribe button. Uh, no, we're not on YouTube, so there's no subscribe button. But you can follow us on Twitter at FF Dynasty Trades is the main handle. You can follow Izzy at DTC underscore Izzy E. Our producer, John Mosier, is at DTC underscore John Mosier. And you can find me at FF Hercules. Uh, and yeah, we should probably give a shout out to our co host that has missed his second consecutive week due to injury. Right? Should we give a you know, yeah. what's a cautious handle? I'm still not familiar. Yzr underscore fantasy is it? Yeah, that's right. Yzr underscore fantasy Akash Patel nailed it. Thank you for listening, you guys. See you next week. Bye.